my guest here today is Aaron Scott on the Restorative Talks show. Hi, Hi. thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited to dive into your perspective on like what the foundations of being healthy is and like really living your best life. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're up here in Frisco, Colorado. Yes. You're working at the Mountain Ridge Naturopathic Clinic with some amazing doctors and other providers. And you have a background from Bastyr back in Seattle, Washington. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel very lucky to be here. Um, I work with Dr. Nearpass and Dr. Pollock and just found a great clinic here and very excited to be up in the mountains. Yeah. Yeah, talk with you. Yeah, what led you to like, how did that all transpire coming from Seattle Seattle? to to Summit County? Yeah, so um, my husband and I are both from Colorado and I moved out to Seattle uh, for school specifically and we knew we wanted to come back um, and we both love being in the mountains and kind of an outdoor lifestyle. Um, And so just kind of got back here and met Kim and Justin and everything just fell into place. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome that... Yeah, it has that synchronicity. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And what led you, just, I mean, Bastyr's a great school. Like, it's when I think about naturopaths, it's like the first school mm-hmm. I think of. Yeah. Uh, what led you to taking that leap of leaving Colorado, going to the Pacific Northwest to get yeah, a naturopath Yeah, that's a great degree? question. So, in college, I um, I completed my undergraduate in Fort Lewis College in Durango, Colorado, and studied anthropology there. And um, during school, I worked for an herbalist. Oh, and so, cool. that's where kind of my passion for natural medicine started mm. um, and really got to explore that and, you know, taking herbal medicine myself, but also being part of that. Uh, medicine making process, which I really loved. And um, then I think I moved up to Denver for some reason. I don't really remember why. <laughs> and a friend of mine um, who was still in Durango, she saw a naturopathic doctor and she was like, Aaron, you would love this. This is like totally right up your alley. Um, so I looked into it and met another doctor, Dr. Caitlin O'Connor, who's in Denver and, um, she practices with kind of kids and family. And that's also one of my passions and backgrounds. Um, I've been a nanny and a preschool teacher, um, and I've worked with kids for a really long time. And so I met with her and it was really where kind of both those passions came together. Um, she, I got to sit in on a visit where she was working with a family and kids and um, a light bulb just kind of went off like, oh, this is it. This This is is what I can do. And so I looked into the school and just set my sights there and went to go visit and loved the grounds and the professors all there and decided, yeah, this is it. This is it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like a a mix of just following your passions and things just or really not a mix, just like following your passion and things unfolded nicely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I don't think I, I ever really had that like, oh, I want to be this when I grow up. Yeah. Um, and so it was just kind of bringing those two interests together and, and in an area that I really enjoy and helping people and working with health and seeing how we can create healthy communities and healthy families. Exactly. Yeah. And that's perfect, right? For our audience listening right now, it's people looking at how can I be healthier? How can I you know, for some people, that's going to be athletes that want to perform better on a race or at an event. Totally. And for some people, it's just like, hey, I got to, how can I make it to five with keeping the wheels on? Or, you <laughs> right, know, like, right. how can I get out of bed? Yeah. Right? You know, like, we can yeah. have different, different Every, We goals. each have our own challenges and, you know, different stages of life. And my passion really comes with working in families and kids. Um, because I really feel that if we create a strong foundation from the beginning and creating strong, healthy families, then that's going to lead to healthier choices later in life and hopefully healthier communities and a healthier world too. Awesome. Yeah. So as we look at, you know, 
like knowing a little bit about your kind of orientation to client care, patient care, knowing that like everyone's going to be different. You have like your assessments and mm-hmm. all that. Mm-hmm. Like, what are your foundations? Like when you just someone or even just a listener who's maybe probably just driving to work listening to this. Sure. Like, what, yeah, what that's you, a great what, question. Yeah. So as a naturopathic doctor, we really look at the whole person and it's a very individualistic approach, right? So we're looking to see like where are your strengths, where are your weaknesses and how can we kind of, you know, boost your strengths, but also see ways that we can um, improve those areas that might be a little bit weak. Mm-hmm. So um, first and foremost, we look at sleep, you know, what's your sleep pattern look like? Um, are you getting enough sleep? Are you waking rested in the morning? Do you have trouble falling asleep or staying asleep? Um, because so much of our brain really gets a chance to kind of cleanse and reboot for the next day. And that's really important to how we're going to feel mentally and emotionally, but also how we progress through our day and the tasks that we're able to complete. So sleep is a huge one. Um, And then I would say the next biggest would be diet and nutrition, um, because what we put into our bodies really reflects how we feel and how we're taking care of ourselves too. Um, And so looking for a balanced diet. Um, But we're also looking at, you know, maybe what might those individual stressors be? Um, how, you know, can we support that whole family and that, that relationship and that community, right? So what's your relationship to yourself like? Is there a lot of negative self-talk going on there? Or, you know, are there things that you would like to kind of push yourself to do next? Um, and then what's your relationship to your community like? Because health is in no way you know, a single journey. We're all in this together and finding support and people who can support your goals and who maybe have very similar goals um, really leads to success. Awesome. Yeah. You know, I think I want to pick on sleep a little bit because yeah. I think Go for it. We were, Bonnie and I were in the car maybe a couple of years ago or whenever and we were listening to a podcast on sleep and the guy's like, sleep is the Swiss army knife of health. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. It's really true, That's right? An interesting like, way to put that. Yeah. Because yeah. it has so many regenerative properties and integrative properties in terms of memory consolidation or mm-hmm. integration, just mm-hmm. recharging your body. And a lot of us struggle with it. And I'm just curious, like if you have a kind of like, like a protocol, a pro- yeah, yeah. For like, and I, I think just to discern, cause I think that, there's definitely a difference between falling asleep issues and staying definitely. asleep issues definitely. So, or challenges. And it, that's where kind of that individualistic approach really comes in handy because we're really looking to see like what's keeping you from sleep. You know, is it that like you lay down and it's just kind of racing thoughts and worry or like thinking about the next day or is it maybe you fall asleep really easily but every 3 a.m. like every night yeah. at 3 a.m. you wake up right and so really trying to understand what that looks like for you and that can really guide those targeted treatment approaches because if it's something like racing thoughts we might really work on sleep hygiene and say like okay let's get the body to recognize these are cues like mm-hmm. I'm going to bed and so with kids and families I work on this all the time how kids thrive on routine and really adults do too totally so if you have that consistent routine every night of like, okay, I'm going to take a bath or a shower, I'm going to brush my teeth, you know, if it's with kids, maybe we're going to read stories or sing songs and then kind of lights out. Um, I like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah like that nice. sounds really nice, right? Yeah. Like definitely takes you back to your own childhood. Yeah. And so that can be a really important piece. Um, 
a lot of us, especially with technology these days, we're on our phones or kind of watching TV right before bed. And really that education piece about like, how is that impacting our ability to fall asleep? So the blue light in our screens actually inhibits melatonin production, which is that hormone that says, okay, it's time to go to sleep. Um, And so if we're working on ways to say, okay, let's turn the screens off, let's, you know, get the body nice and calm, maybe journaling if it's racing thoughts or something like that, or a gentle yoga practice or movement practice before bed, that can really cue the brain that, okay, I know what's coming next. It's time to go to sleep. Um, But if it's something like waking up in the middle of the night, you know, could it be because of like a blood sugar imbalance? Um, there's a really interesting relationship with cortisol and sleep too. So cortisol is the hormone that has kind of follows the sun. So when the sun rises, cortisol rises and says, okay, it's time to get up. And then melatonin is the opposite of that. So when the sun goes down and it gets dark, the melatonin starts to rise and cortisol decreases. But for some people, what can happen is if their blood sugar dips in the middle of the night, Mm -hmm. that could be a cortisol issue because the liver is sending a signal saying, hey, we need to make more sugar. And it uses cortisol to do that, to fuel the body. And that'll just lead to you waking up in the middle of the night. So it might be something like, okay, let's try maybe a snack before bed um, so we can really see if we can get that serotonin production. Because if you eat something like an apple that has tryptophan in it, um, that tryptophan can get converted to uh, 5-HTP, which then goes to serotonin and then to melatonin, and that can help you sleep longer. Um, and pairing that with other foods, like you know, a protein and a fat to kind of slow down that digestive process so you're not getting that spike in uh, blood glucose and then it just kind of crashes and that might wake you up. So that might be a reason why some people wake up in the middle of the night. Or it could be something, you know, a physical um, concern, like, you know, maybe you drink a lot of water and you have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and then have a hard time falling back asleep with that. Yeah. And it sounds like this is where that pinpointed just working with that individual and starting to build that picture. Exactly. Imagining some testing and some series of experiments Mm -hmm. just to get it figured out. One of the things I really like about your kind of sleep hygiene and going to sleep, because I think that's a big, that's one that's really published a lot in terms of like, Social. There's a lot of hype about it. It's yeah, like everybody like, knows we should do that. Right? Yeah, all the yeah. social media doctors yeah. out there are like, we got this. <laughs> but, I, but I think, you know, a lot of, you know, in communication, it's easy sometimes to request what we don't want, but it's hard to say what we do want. And I like your framing around story time or singing or, you know, whatever right. that is, because you're not saying, hey, don't do your computer. You're saying like, hey, let's substitute something else that's yeah. going to work with a couple other needs as well, like exactly. social, human interaction that can actually help sell people's nervous systems as well exactly exactly because it's it's about you know finding what's going to work for that individual and we don't want to feel like we're taking things away i think that that's kind of a really common misconception with getting healthy it's like oh i got to take all these things away that are bad for me right it's like well let's just redefine that relationship to you know your computer maybe don't do your work right before bed um totally or something like that and so that's really that piece in naturopathic medicine is we're looking for that root cause of why is this one person not falling asleep? And we can use population studies and what we know about different populations to inform that specific treatment for that person. Cool. So um, one of the things I'm imagining, you know, from a parent standpoint, right? Like I want to get eight hours of sleep. We know there's this, you know, we now know that getting more sleep is empirically better for you. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you have, 
say a, a colicky baby and the parents aren't sleeping or, a, you know, you're up tossing and turning because of anxiety about a kid's behavior or a kid is, yeah. you know, sucked into something and won't go to sleep or yeah. it gets amped up or is getting up too early. Mm-hmm. Like, what's your take on duration of sleep? You know, like what? Like, like how this, much do we need? Yeah, like kind on that eight hours thing. And like, I think a lot of us are quick, like our culture is really heavy on productivity and being mm-hmm. busy like mm-hmm. that's kind of a badge like of honor success right is now. measured by how busy you are exactly right? versus yeah. how present maybe right. you know like that's a reframe i'm working on of like right. hey i'm the more successful i am is actually measured by how present i can be right exactly right? not like how busy i am yeah so with those those individuals or or that family it, it might just work on say like i'm sorry reframe your question for me one more time sure I think really what I'm driving at is I think a lot of people are justifying not sleeping enough. Yes. And I'm curious, like, just to kind of unpack that a little bit for the listener of like, hey, maybe they have some justifications or maybe they actually have just a family crisis happening, yeah, yeah. keeping them up. But, yeah. you know, is it, you know, what, like what? So the duration of sleep definitely depends on the age, right? Yeah. So if it's a newborn baby, their sleep pattern is going to be really different. They're going to, you know, sleep a couple hours, then they're going to need to wake to eat and feed and they might play a little bit and then they might go to sleep. So for parents, when I talk to postpartum mamas, a lot of the times it's like, okay, can we get you in bed at least eight hours? So you don't need to be sleeping that entire time because we know your infant's going to be waking up every two hours to feed, but can you at least keep yourself in a relaxed state of mind and just Mm. stay in bed? Um, And it doesn't mean to be, you know, like you have to be asleep all these hours. And then for toddlers or preschoolers or through the different ages, that sleep recommendation changes. Um, What we know about adolescents now is they are actually requiring a lot more sleep than we thought. So they need closer to eight to 10 hours versus school age children generally need about 10 to 12 per 24 hours. Um, And then adults, six to eight. I think like closer to eight, but each individual also has like, I feel best when I get nine hours or like, I feel great on, you know, five, six hours of sleep. And so knowing that for you, um, can really help, I guess, guide what those sleep guidelines might be like for you and knowing like when you're going to feel your best. Yeah. And I think that just stimulating and helping people figure that out for themselves. Cause like some of us are morning people, some of us are night owls, some of us are whatever you'd call the afternoon productivity <laughs> people. I don't know if that's called a thing, but you know, it's like, we're all, we all peak at different times. And, yeah. You know, so, so yeah, sleep is such a key component. And then you, you brought up the nutrition diet piece. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm curious, you know, I, I have questions about the herbalism stuff coming yeah, in as well. Yeah. Like I'm just yeah, like, what's your, so like, that diet piece, I am a big believer in that what we put into our bodies is really going to influence how our body functions, how we feel throughout the day, our energy levels, right? Our digestion, um, because if we're constipated or bloated, that's not going to feel very good. So we're not going to have a lot of energy. Um, and so with diet, what I tell all my patients to do is make it fun because Mm -hmm. mostly I work with like a pediatric population. Um, and so if you can get kids engaged and having fun in the kitchen and having fun with meals and having fun with fruits and vegetables, they're going to be a lot more likely to eat those foods and be a part of that. Um, and so I tell all my patients, you know, 
go to the grocery store and see if you can pick out every color of the rainbow in those whole foods, right? Because we're looking on mostly a whole foods diet. And that means kind of shopping in the peripheral of the grocery store and avoiding those pre-packaged or processed foods. Yeah. Um, because those are foods that are going to be high in sugar, high in fat, low in fiber, and really not going to serve us very well. Um, and so finding foods that are really going to, you know, provide those necessary vitamins and minerals that'll help our biochemistry perform certain processes, whether it's, you know, creation and breakdown of neurotransmitters or hormones, um, or, you know, just stabilizing our blood sugar so our mood doesn't kind of crash. That's a really big piece and talking about what a balanced diet looks like too. Um, so thinking about things like, you know, whole, whole foods, like fruits and vegetables, whole grains, nuts and seeds, healthy oils, um, and maybe minimizing that dairy and, and that meat intake possibly, or, or some of more of those inflammatory foods, um, is really going to provide your body the fuel it needs to thrive. And then we start to feel that too. Mm -hmm. So at first it can be a little overwhelming of like, oh my gosh, I need to eat all these vegetables. I don't really like vegetables. How do I do this? Um, but I think it's really about just consistency and also like moderation and being kind to yourself too. So not beating yourself up of like, oh man, I ate that cheeseburger today or whatnot, sure. you know, but also, okay, how can I balance that with maybe healthier choices? Um, yeah. And that's really going to contribute to that like strong foundation to give yourself time and energy to do the things that you want to do. When, and from like a psychological standpoint, I think what we see for people is say, you know, binge eating is kind of one of those things that's not talked a lot about, but it's actually yeah, a very common right? thing. It is very and common. And it's like, oh, I did that cheeseburger, beer and fries or whatever your mac and cheese is my thing. Right. <laughs> or, chi or in Chinese food, you know, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. that thing where I just can't stop myself. Yeah. And then we feel shame, we feel guilt, and then we actually continue to eat more. Mm -hmm. right? Because so, it's kind of reinforcing those negative beliefs of like, oh, I'm not good enough to do this. You know, I, I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. And you just, exactly. You know, and then, and then we self-soothe because a lot of us are actually soothing in that mm -hmm. way. So we're like orienting mm -hmm. to pleasure mm -hmm. by eating that food. Oh, that felt good. That tasted right? good. And I mean, maybe I'm craving, you know, I know there's different presentations for salty versus sweet cravings and, you know, these things. So it sounds like addressing it from a physiological standpoint can be helpful, but also like that psychological. Yeah. Piece. And I feel like that psychological piece is really important. What you just mentioned of like, Oh, I feel good. Right. Yeah. And so what I often ask my patients is what's your relationship to foods? Like, mm -hmm. you know, like, do you kind of beat yourself up if you eat those unhealthy foods? Are you somebody like me who kind of forgets to eat a lot of the time if I get busy, you know, cause you're just in that go, go, go. Um, but once we look at that relationship to food and see, okay, how can we still make this tasty and appealing and something enjoyable? Because that's really what food should be about, right? And so occasionally it might be like, yeah, I'm gonna have that ice cream because that really makes my soul feel well, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so that's a soul food, something that makes you happy, but it's again, everything in moderation, everything in balance. 100%. So I'm gonna, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this research, but it's something that I've, so we work with a lot of kids on the autism spectrum, mm -hmm. which is, you know, an ever changing kind of definition. It seems like more and more blurred lines and, yeah. um, and some of the research, I forget who it was by and where, but was talking about reducing chocolate, dairy, and gluten for two years was one of the most effective treatments of autism. Wow. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. I would say 
I've seen that clinically. Yeah. A lot of the times we might look at certain foods that our body's not tolerating very well, um, especially when you're looking at those behavioral disorders with, with children. Um, it's There's often a picky food piece there, right? Like they love the bland, starchy, you know, kind of cheesy foods. And um, those might be, you know, benefiting them in some way of like, oh, this tastes good and at least they're eating. Um, but we want to make sure we're expanding their taste buds and their That's horizons. Right. Um, and those foods can sometimes be a little bit inflammatory if they're eaten in excess, sure. you know, and not balanced with maybe more healthy foods. So in working with that, say that family, just to get kind of niche mm -hmm. on this, yeah. this focus, because I think it's, it's really no different for anyone, right? Like for me as a kid, I didn't want to eat green stuff. Yeah. You know, I love veggies now, but totally. as a kid, I'm like, I don't even want parsley. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you yes. know? Yeah. So you, and you have this piece where it's like a parent only has so much energy and a kid is like you said, like really, really likes pasta mm -hmm. or whatever, cheesy mm -hmm. potatoes. Mm-hmm. And that's actually like really low in the nutrients or exactly. like amino acids or all these other things that it, that kid's going to need to actually function. Yes. So it's like, how do you help families navigate that increased tension by holding a boundary of like, hey, we're going to do this? Like basically, it's really a cultural shift yeah. within a family. So yeah, it's, it's not so it very easy. much is, and that's that's a really good point too because so much of. Um, our relationship to foods has to do with our relationship to others and those mm -hmm. around us, right? So, uh, first and foremost, the parents being a role model, right? And yeah. just offering to have those healthy foods available. Um, you know, my um, mentor and supervisor in my last residency would always say, like, they don't they don't make money, like they they don't go grocery shopping, right? So yeah. so what you put in the house really matters because if it's easy and accessible, that's going to continue to be part of that staple, right? But it's also you want to balance that with a kind of gentle approach and not necessarily forcing it because day in and day out, that's going to get really exhausting and probably not very effective, right? And so for mm -hmm. parents being role models and saying like, hey, we're going to cook together as a family. Like, can you help me, you know, cut up some veggies or can you help me pour some things? Kids are gaining like fine gross motor skills through that. Also, you know, learning different math skills through that as well. Um, and just, again, making it fun, right? There's also feeding therapies, uh, an option for kiddos too. So um, different feeding therapists will kind of basically take an assessment of that child's eating behaviors and then do really small steps. So you might be talking about a kiddo who like only eats those bland foods, right? Like will not tolerate a green food on their plate at all. And so it's going to start with those baby steps of like, okay, we're going to start with, there's just, you know, a, a bowl of broccoli on the table and it's on the other side of the table from that child. Like they don't even have to touch it yeah. that first time. Um, and also repeated exposure, right? And then maybe next time that family sits down to dinner, maybe that child can tolerate it a little bit closer. Um, then maybe, you know, they start engaging with it and maybe just kind of feeling the different textures or smelling it or, you know, maybe even eventually a little bit of a taste and then moving to tolerating it on their plate and potentially even starting to like take those bites. And for parents too, I tell them like, if your kid rejects it the first five times, don't stop introducing it because it often takes, you know, 10, 15 times of introducing a new food and being a role model of like, oh, wow, this tastes really good. And this is going to, you know, help me build really strong bones. Um, mm -hmm. Like that, talking to kids about why eating healthy is going to be a big one. Another one that I'm really um, a big proponent of is gardens. 
you know, and getting kids involved sure. in gardens and, and growing food because I think there's a disconnect of understanding where food comes from and there's a little bit of skepticism there, you know, so we've like, oh, it comes in a box and I'm very yeah. much used to that. <laughs> but like this thing that's growing on this plant, I'm not too sure about. Yeah. But once they get engaged with that and there's such a difference between, you know, taking a snap pea off of a vine versus in the store those kids, once they have that experience, are more likely to continue eating those foods. And so definitely getting involved in a garden, you know, whether it's behind your house or in a community garden or your school garden, um, is a great way to also introduce those concepts to children as well. Yeah. I really, really enjoy that incremental approach, right? Just like broccoli's on the, it's in the fridge, yeah. then it's on the table. <laughs> yeah. And I think for so many of us, uh, and we're all guilty of this really, of like, I want the quick fix. Yeah. Right? And so many clients that show up for both of us are like, how do we get this? Like, mm -hmm. I want to, I want to mm -hmm. sleep now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like this is exactly. you're in this crisis and it's, you know, it sounds like with your approach, it's just so much of like, Hey, we're going to get some big gains, like hopefully as quick as we can. And, you know, when we make these incremental shifts over time, like it's actually more sustainable. Exactly. Right? And that's what you're going for is those sustainable changes. Because if you say like, Oh, I got to get five to eight servings of vegetables right now. And I'm eating one or two a day, that's going to seem really overwhelming and set you up for failure. And like, well, that didn't work. I guess I'm not going to try that. Totally. So, you know, if that, if we have like kind of this journey of diet and health, I think, I think it was a, it's just this huge spectrum of where we all land on it. Right. Some of us are don't really have a diet and then making any shifts is going to have most likely an mm -hmm. incremental change in terms of energy, weight loss, focus, mm -hmm. behavior, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. But for those of us that are maybe on a mostly whole foods diet, right? Like not eating out a lot, not consuming a ton of sugar, but obviously sugars in everything. everything. <laughs> yeah. So that's like, you know, we're not like not eating sugar, but like our sugar comes from our ketchup instead of like, you know, a popsicle or something. Right. Right. You know, where are you adding in like the herbalism? Where are you adding in like supplementation or like testing for that stuff? Yeah, like, yeah, along that's that a great journey? question. So, first and foremost, I try and do it mostly through diet and lifestyle. We might use supplementation or herbs um, for kind of short periods of times for certain situations, right? So, maybe for that child with autism or ADHD who has some behavioral stuff and that diet's maybe not optimal, that might be a good time to bring in something like a multivitamin of, hey, let's just support their nutrition sure. in another right. way until we can kind of get that diet optimized, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's a whole nother tangent that I could go down about soil health and, you know, what's that so much reflects uh the nutrition of our food right so if our soil health isn't good how nutritious is our food and a lot of my colleagues will argue that might be a reason for taking something like a multivitamin right um i mean that's a great tangent i think because even when you talked about gardening i think so you know bonnie and i used to work on some farms and it was like a good farmer grows food a great farmer grows soil yeah right you're amending yeah. you're rotating crops and yeah. i think as a, as a, just cause now I'm excited, you know, yeah. <laughs> the other benefit of kids gardening is like the microbes exposing exactly. them. Exactly. Like, yeah. And we're just at like, just scratching the surface with the microbiome and what that yeah. means in health. And there's so much research coming out about, you know, that being related to gut health and gut health being related to mental health. And so 
I would say that's a, actually a pretty common way in which I would use herbs or supplements and say, okay, maybe there's some inflammation happening in the digestive system. And we might know that through like, there's a lot of constipation or diarrhea or bloating or even anxiety in that way. Right. Um, and so how can we kind of re-regulate that nervous system within the gut and also support that mental and emotional well-being, Right. So mm -hmm. sometimes it might be the use of probiotics through that. I'm more of a fan of getting those microorganisms through the diet. Sure. Um, so I think I read an article recently that was talking about spinach and like one little cell of spinach has 800 different species of like uh, microorganisms living there, right? So eating a variety of foods and eating different foods is really one way that you're going to increase your exposure to those healthy microorganisms. But you can also look at gardening and, you know, sure. sticking your hands in the dirt and how that's going to benefit that as well. When we run into, so there's this gentleman, Arthur Haynes, that I follow and would love like fantasy land. I'm like, He's asked where we've been, we can go on a canoe trip with him at some yes. point. He does these like <laughs> three week canoe trips and I'm hoping at some point we can like the whole family can go. That so would be amazing. Like, he lives over in Maine and you know, he just did a great podcast with Ben Greenfield. who's a biohacker kind of really in, intense gentleman, but talking about the average American is eating 30 different types of food, like vegetables. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no way. Mm -hmm. Right. But then you start unpacking, like just, what do I buy every to, week at the grocery and store? And then also right? like it just saying like brassicas, right? Yeah. So like so many things might just be like you might have, you know, cauliflower, broccoli, kale on your plate, but all three of those are still brassicas. Mm -hmm. And then he's also bringing in some of that history of, you know, the way an apple used to be more of a bitter, right? You think about a crab oh, apple is yes. more authentic to what an, and then a wild kind of transitioning more to that sweet yeah. because that's what we've cultivated. And that's, you know, and yeah. some of that bitter can be really liver supporting or kidney supporting stuff that's you know, in a wild, diverse food, yeah. which is not to say that modern agriculture and horticulture is bad, but it's, it's different. And just acknowledging that, Hey, you know, maybe foraging or eating what you think might be a weed, like dandelions right. or something. And redefining your relationship it, to those, right? Cause exactly. I will use herbs in that way. A lot of the times, especially for that bitter, um, property that they have, because there's a lot of research that having that bitter, um, taste actually stimulates stimulates the bitter receptors all along the upper portion of the digestive tract through the small intestine, and that increases the digestive process, so secretion of digestive juices and enzymes, um, but also increasing that peristalsis motion, which is what you know allows our body to kind of move that through food through our intestines, absorb those necessary nutrients, and then get rid of those waste products. Right. So bitters might be one of the first things that I start with with somebody who maybe doesn't have an appetite because they can also stimulate appetite. Um, but maybe constipation. So something like chamomile tea is generally pretty safe and kids will tolerate that pretty sure. well. And also, you know, you're getting liquids in through that, which is going to help as well. Um, yeah. but that's, that's a really common area that I'll use herbs. And then Another one I would say would be kind of that mental, emotional well-being. So we, our culture, you know, is so much in this fight or flight, like constant go, go, go. We're always looking for that success, right? And that busyness that you were talking about earlier. And that's really taxing on our nervous systems. Um, and, you know, what I've really learned um, kind of through my research and studies, too, is that those feelings, that feeling of anxiety or that, that heightened feeling, you know, of like, oh, I just got startled. What should I do? Those are very much evolutionary 
coping mechanisms, right? And things that really helped us to survive. But we are living in an environment where now it's just become a little too excessive, right? So that anxiety in the past used to kind of signal danger and say, okay, like I need to be aware and, you know, keep my surroundings and just to have a good head on my shoulders and know what's kind of coming next. But our brain can't really distinguish that now. And so working on ways to kind of decrease that response, whether it's through breath work or through herbs, um, to say, let's work on redefining our relationship to stress and seeing, you know, can we get the body to calm? Can we get the body to kind of enter that parasympathetic rest and digest? Because if you're not in that state, you're not going to digest your food very well. 100%, right? And yeah, the parasympathetic sympathetic thing is, I mean, honestly, for our clients as well, pretty much everyone, Yeah, you know, we're throwing people on the biofeedback machine for a little bit before a session, maybe a couple minutes, maybe 10 minutes, or maybe just they're doing it during it. Mm-hmm. Cause we're seeing that like some people haven't felt a true parasympathetic state exactly. for so long. Cause they're just heightened and like yeah. on lookout all the time. Right. And that's exactly, I mean, that's taxing. That's, you know, you talked about cortisol earlier, but you know, there's also too much cortisol can have this yeah. opposite effect. And you know, when we look at, you know, one of the orientations I think we have at amazing brains and restorative adventures is that, you know, being in a flow state feels good, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And one of cortisol is one of the hormones that blocks, right? And so we have the nitric oxide actually before we get into a true flow state is actually flushing that out mm-hmm. for us. Right. So it's like if we have such an excess of that stress and we're running in like maybe a high beta brainwave state all the time, like using all those calories and all that energy when we don't need to be. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we're never really catching that like nice flow where you're mm-hmm. like, cool, like mm-hmm. got this. And like, then when you do find that it can sometimes be a little bit jarring of like, sure. what is this? I don't know how to handle this. Right. 100%, and so yeah. I'm a huge believer in, in those, you know, techniques that are really going to work on changing your relationship through that breath work or understanding like how your heart rate and your breath might impact and might reflect where you are in your nervous system. Right. But that might be another way in which I use herbs. If I have somebody who's like constantly super stressed on the go, not sleeping well, you know, just kind of those wired and tired individuals, Mm -hmm. that might be a really good time to use those herbs because we're wanting to create a strong foundation again, so they can kind of reorient to the world in a healthier response. And so we might bring herbs in like adaptogens that can kind of help balance that cortisol response. In addition to nervines, which are kind of one of my favorite categories of herbs that are just, um, really kind of calming and tonifying to the nervous system. Is that like an oat straw? Yes. Oat straw is like one of my favorite nervines. Cool. Um, oat straw mints tend to be in there. So like chamomile, or sorry, not chamomile, that's an asteraceae. Um, but like lemon balm, peppermint, um, on 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 peppermint, 
um, on peppermints, 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 
um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, 
um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on peppermints, um, on pe